Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another inspiring edition of New Promise Church's weekly sermons. We are truly delighted to have you join us today. Whether you are a longtime member of our congregation or a first-time visitor, we extend a warm and heartfelt welcome to you. Each week, we come together in the spirit of fellowship and reflection to explore timeless truths, gain spiritual insights, and draw closer to our Creator. We believe that through the power of the Word and the messages shared here, we can find guidance, comfort, and a deeper connection to our faith. Before we begin, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for the wisdom and inspiration that will be shared here today. Whether you're listening from the comfort of your home, during your commute, or as part of our congregation, we encourage you to engage with an open heart and an open mind. As we embark on this journey of faith together, remember that you are not alone. We are a community bound by our shared belief, and we are here to support and uplift one another. Now, without further ado, let us turn our attention to the message that awaits us in today's episode. Please pray with me. Lord, your word says that the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Holy Spirit, we pray that you open up our eyes today to the things that are unseen, to the things that will last forever. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Well, today is my fourth sermon in my series on prayer. And when I started, I shared with you that I was going to do a series of topical teachings on the subject of prayer, which will lead us into an expository teaching on the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And it seems through my studies that I think today, number four, is going to be my last topical teaching, unless the Lord changes things, and we'll be moving into the Lord's Prayer soon. Today's topic is called Prayer 104, The Power of Prayer. And what I want to hammer home today is the power of prayer when we include the Word of God in our prayer, in our personal prayer life and in our corporate prayer life as a church. And today what I also want to hammer home is that when we pray, there is a resistance in our prayers. There is something called spiritual warfare. And those are going to be three points today that I'm going to hammer home. When you hear the term, the power of prayer, that could have different meanings to different people. You know, you see all kinds of beliefs in what people think on social media, and you, you see a lot of things about prayer. And you hear stuff like, you know, you put somebody shares something they're going through and people will share, well, I'm sending you prayer and positive thoughts, positive vibes. Almost as if the act of prayer is powerful in and of itself, and it is not. The act of prayer is actually just a conduit by which God's Spirit works through our hearts. Prayer is only as powerful as the object of our prayer. And the object of our prayer is God Almighty. If you take God out of the equation of prayer, then you basically just have people sharing some words that might make themselves and somebody else feel better emotionally 
and psychologically, but it's not biblical and it's not powerful and it's not reaching the throne of God. So the object of our prayer must be God and the object of our prayer must be the God of the Bible because there are many gods in this world and there are many religions. But we pray to the God of the Bible, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And powerful prayer only comes when we have a proper theology of God. When we're praying, we need to have our Bible in our hand and our Bible in our hearts. An essential ingredient in powerful prayer is faith. Powerful prayer cannot take place without this key component. Let's look at a scripture together on the slide. Hebrews eleven sixteen, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this is a prayer 101, a faith 101 verse. This is a Vince Lombardi moment when he said, this is a football. This is a football scripture. Obviously, without faith, it is impossible to please him. You've got to believe that God exists, and then you've got to believe that he's listening to you, and then you have to believe that he's going to reward you when you diligently pursue him. Let's turn to a scripture together. Mark chapter 11. The Gospels. Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 23. This is a very profound verse concerning prayer and faith. For assuredly, these are the words of Christ, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when, we, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So as we move forward today, we're going to learn what this verse means, these two verses mean, and what they don't mean. But we know that it says here that if we're going to get what we pray for, pray for we must not doubt. He said, do not doubt. We all know that none of us can move a mountain. But apparently, according to this verse, our faith and our prayers can influence God to move a mountain. Let me read James chapter 1, verses 5 and 7. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So what do both of these verses teach us? If God is going to answer our prayers, we must have 100% confidence and not doubt 
about what we're praying. So how can we have 100% confidence and no doubt when we're praying? Well, let's look at another slide, and this is the fourth week in a row we're looking at this one, so it should be in your heart and your mind. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Confidence comes from knowing that what you're praying is the will of God. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1 1 on the slide. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not, do not see. It's actually the NIV. I use the New King James for everything, but this one verse, I thought the NIV was better. So faith is confidence in what we hope for. It's assurance about what we do not see. So if we're going to have true faith in our prayers, when we pray, we actually are believing 100% it's going to happen even before we pray it. That's true biblical faith. So how can you have 100% confidence in knowing that what you're praying is God's will? And I only have one answer that I could sincerely give to you. And that's if whatever you're praying is in the word of God. Thus, the importance and the power of praying the scriptures. So much of what we pray can oftentimes be so shallow. You know, Lord, bless my children, bless my job, bless this, help me with this. But we're so unspecific and we wonder why God doesn't answer us specifically and powerfully. A couple weeks ago, I put a scripture up there as, as an example of how to pray the scriptures. And I want to do that again today because I want to really hammer this home for us. So let's look at our next slide, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Everything in this verse we know 100% is God's will for our life as a Christian. So we can open our Bible and we can pray this verse and we could pray with confidence that God wants to fulfill this in our Christian life. Let love be without hypocrisy. Lord, give me love. Help me to love people without hypocrisy. Help me not to say I love people, but then don't live the life that doesn't show people that I love them. Lord, help me to abhor what is evil. Help me, God, to hate what is evil. I oftentimes, Lord, like watching things in, on TV and at the movies that are evil. I like it, God. Forgive me. Help me to abhor it. Help me to cling to what is good, God. Help me to be kindly affectionate to other people. Sometimes I'm selfish and I'm rude and I'm not kind to other people. Help me, Lord. Help me to give honor, giving preference to one another. Now, I'm just rushing through this prayer. Imagine if you open your Bible and you get on your knees and you say, Holy Spirit, I know this is your will for my life. 
I'm going to pray this and I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to do this in my life like the moving of a mountain. Let's look at one more verse. The next, next slide, please. This is for us men. You want to know something you could pray? Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Instead of our, pr our prayers, Lord, help our wives to stop nagging us, <laughs> or whatever else it is we pray, this is what we should be praying. Lord, help me to love my wife as you love the church, as you love me, God. I keep coming to you with the same sins over and over, but you keep loving me anyway. Help me to love my wife that way. Help me to love my wife sacrificially. It says in your word, Lord, that you love the disciples to the end. You will never leave them or forsake them. Help me never to leave or forsake my wife. Imagine the power of our prayers if we open up our Bibles and we pray the scriptures. I want to look at a biblical example of someone who did this and did something really miraculous. Let's turn to James chapter 5 together. James chapter 5, verse 16. I have quoted now many times the second half of this verse as one of my favorite rocks, one of my favorite anchors for prayer. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we talked about last week how it doesn't matter how you feel your prayers in the righteousness of Christ, when you pray, they are availing much. They are doing things. They are moving the hand of God. So I've, I've talked about this verse many times, but not many preachers talk about the next two verses, which I want to talk about. And then it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So God says the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much, and then he gives us this, this story from the Old Testament that this guy prayed it's going to rain, not going to rain for three and a half years, and then it's going to rain. So what, what's that supposed to mean to us? Does, does that mean that right now, if we as a congregation believe, I mean, we muster up faith, it's not going to snow this winter. We're never going to plow this parking lot. Does that mean that we can do that? Well, let's look, let's look at this passage. If you've been coming to my Philippians study we, for two weeks, we didn't even study the book of Philippians because God gave us the privilege of giving us a backstory in the book of Acts about how the, the Philippi church got started. And we spent two weeks studying that. 
Well, there's a backstory to Elijah here in the Old Testament. I want to look at it because it's going to help us to understand this a little more. It's going to help us to understand the power of praying the Scriptures. The Old Testament taught the people of Israel knew that one of the consequences of not obeying God was that he would make it stop raining as a consequence, as a punishment to them, and he would dry up their crops. When they obeyed him, it would start raining again. This is taught in Deuteronomy 11, and it's taught in Deuteronomy 28, and I guarantee you Elijah knew that. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, you don't have to look it up now, but you can do it for homework. It says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah and told him that it was going to stop raining. He told him that was going to happen. He knew the scripture, then God spoke to him. And then in 1 Kings 18, God told him, After that, I'm going to make it rain again. So Elijah clearly knew the word of God concerning this matter. But at some point, it really doesn't tell us when this happened because only James records that he prayed about this. The prayer is not even recorded in the Old Testament. But we find out he did pray. So at some point, he knew what Deuteronomy said. God told him, it's, it's going to... It's going to stop raining, then it's going to rain. And he said, okay, you know the truth now. Now I want you to pray and step out in faith so that the people can see through your prayers what I'm going to do. What a pattern for us. We know what the Bible says. God gives us confidence in something, but we still have to do it. We still have to pray. And this takes me back to my original teaching about the priority of prayer. The number one priority of prayer is that God would be glorified. He puts us in impossible situations. We trust him. We pray. He does it. And then we all give him glory. This is the power of praying the word of God. Now that sounds pretty simple and it sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? That we could do that. But there's one problem we have. We have an adversary, and his name is Satan, the devil. The Bible tells us that he came to kill and to steal and to destroy, and that he's the father of lies. There is no truth in him. He fights against us. In Genesis chapter 3, he started fighting against mankind. God told Adam and Eve, his word, this is the tree you can eat from, this is the tree you can't eat from. Satan came to them, and what did he say? Did God indeed say that? Did God really say that? He got them to doubt the word of God. And what did they do? They sinned. And we all know the tragic results. But we have a pattern that we can follow. God tells us something. Satan's going to want us to doubt because he knows what the results will be. The Bible doesn't just command us to pray. 
It always has adjectives and adverbs that go with it. It says to fervently pray, to earnestly pray, to persistently pray, to vigilantly pray, to pray without ceasing, to ask, to seek, to knock. God calls us to be relentless in our prayers. Why? Why can't we just pray once? Why do we have to be relentless? Because we have an adversary whose nickname is Sabbathless Satan. He never stops fighting. He never stops fighting spiritually towards our lives and towards this church. Let's turn to a familiar passage, Ephesians chapter 6. And let's read a little bit here about the unseen world. Let's start in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Do you know that it's God's will for you as a Christian to be strong? It is not God's will that we be weak, wimpy Christians. It's not God's will that we be filled with anxiety, with depression, with worry, with doubt, it is God's will that we be strong because He commands us be strong, but not in ourselves, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. How do you be strong in the Lord? This book right here, knowing it, meditating upon it, memorizing it, praying it is how you be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil wants to drop you. He wants you to fall. The wiles of the devil, the schemes, the lies, they never end. Verse 12 describes them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's so easy to read that and just say, well, what the heck does that even mean? Theologians believe that these are demons. These are like, like rankings of demons. That these are, This is like an army of demons with generals, captains, lieutenants, with, with duties you go here and hassle that church. You go here and hassle that organization. You go here and hassle this person. There, there's something going on that we don't see in the invisible realm. And the struggles we have that we think are with our spouse, with people in this church, with our boss, with people at work, the Bible says ultimately we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that behind it all there is an invisible world that we can't see that is fighting for the souls of men, 
that is fighting for our minds as Christians and that is trying to keep us away from the word of God with all the power that they have. I want to give you an Old Testament example of the reality of this. God showed us this in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, it records that Daniel is reading an Old Testament scroll. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. He's reading God's word. And it talks about the desolation of Israel. This, this common problem that Israel, once again, is being punished because of their rebellion. And he's so burdened from reading the Word of God, from knowing what's going on, and you've got to read this on, in, on your own time. He, he prays this prayer in Daniel chapter 9 that is so powerful. He's praying and fasting for weeks He's crying out to God. He's confessing sin. He's praying for the people. I mean, this guy is pouring out his heart to God in prayer based on the word of God. Daniel chapter 10 then records this. Daniel has a vision. And in this vision, an angel comes to him and approaches him and tells him about his prayer that he prayed. Listen to what he says in Daniel 10. Then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. An angel comes to him. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your gods. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So he prayed, This angel is coming to minister to him. God's revealing to us what is happening here in the un unseen world. But verse 13 but the prince of the king of Persia, this is a demon, withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. So Daniel responds to the word of God. He has this massive prayer. This angel comes to help him, but a demon comes to stop the angel, and Michael, the archangel, comes to help him. And in all this fighting, the prayer was delayed 21 days. Well, why is that in there? It's in there so we could see the reality of the unseen world. That as I call us to a, a, as a pastor to be a church of prayer, it's not a casual thing. There is actually things going on and, and honestly, honestly, if any church should know this, it should be this church, how Satan tried to destroy this church. But the prayers of the saints kept this church alive, and that's why we are where we are today, and that's why we're going to go where God's taking us is through prayer as we fight the enemy.
Back to Ephesians. So he tells us, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he gives us this armor. I wish I could expound on it all today. I'm just going to quickly tell you this. Every piece of this armor is connected to the truth of God's word. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. That means you're supposed to know your Bible. A Roman soldier had this tunic he had on. It was this big, heavy, almost looked like a dress. And before he went out to battle, he put this belt on, he tightened it up, and it made him ready for battle. We need to be ready for battle by knowing, believing, and applying the Word of God. Gird your loins with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. When the devil tries to condemn you, we know that we are made righteous through Christ and we have the power to live righteously. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Know that you stand firm in the gospel. Nothing you do can save you, but what Jesus did for you saves you and gives you peace. Take the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. When Satan tempts us, we lift up the word of God and we say, thus saith the Lord. Put on the helmet of salvation. When Satan tries you to get you to doubt your salvation and make you think you've lost your salvation when you fail, we have the helmet on and God says, no, your salvation is secure in the cross. And take the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. We go forth into the world, not in our own wisdom, but with the word. Do you see the importance of knowing the Bible, living the Bible? If you are not reading your Bible, if you are not knowing the word of God, we are sunk in the Christian life. We are just weak. We are helpless. We are powerless without the word of God. And our prayers are powerless without the word of God. Verse 18, he hammers it home. In one verse, he mentions prayer four times after the armor of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Supplication is another name for prayer. He names prayer four times in one verse as he wraps up the armor of God. What should that tell us? Does God still do miraculous things today? Does God still do miraculous prayer? Does he still do miracles? Let's look at our next slide on Mark 11. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Well, what does this mean? Does this mean we can believe anything and it will be done? Well, I've already established that we know we can pray the word of God. 
But I want to touch on this as I'm going to be wrapping things up now. I want to talk about healing because this subject always comes up when it comes to prayer and faith. The common view of many of my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, some of whom love the Lord very much, is they tell me that if you believe strong enough, according to this verse, it says, whatever things you ask when you believe, that you receive them, you'll have them. So if, if you have cancer, and if you just believe hard enough, if you muster up enough faith and believe, you will be healed of cancer. And when people aren't healed, they say, well, you don't have enough faith. You're not mustering up enough faith. I, I walked through this doctrinal journey for years because I had a sister who was born birth, from birth crippled with spina bifida. I took her to Pentecostal churches, tent meetings. I had pastors dragging her across the stage telling her she's healed. You just got to believe. But you know, she never got healed. She's healed now because she's with Christ. I tell people I lack faith. I do. I lack faith that everyone will be healed because my faith is in the Word of God and the Word of God does not teach that everyone will be healed. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be landing the plane here soon. Second Corinthians 12, verse 7. Do you think the Apostle Paul was a man of faith? <laughs> Do you know all that man went through? We were reading in Acts, in our Philippians backstory, how he was beaten, stoned, imprisoned, and him and Sol Silas were singing hymns and praising the Lord. But yet, Paul apparently was not healed of everything. Verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Put this in your theological pipe and smoke it, if I might say this. God gave Paul this thorn, and who did he use? He used the devil. So sometimes you could be rebuking the devil and God's using the devil for some purpose in your life. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. This isn't like he prayed three prayers. He prayed three seasons of his life for this to end. Many people believe it was an eye ailment. If you read some of the epistles, it alludes to that, but we don't know. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most boldly, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's a time to pray for healing. 
God does heal today. He does miracles today. But he does not do miracles all the time. I want to close with this. I've done a lot of hospital visits through the years. I've prayed with a good handful of people on their deathbeds, holding their hands while they died. And there's been three prayers that I have prayed. Led by the Holy Spirit, I believe. Oftentimes I will pray for someone who's sick, and I will pray, Lord, I know you can heal this person if it be your will. If you don't heal them, then give them the sufficient grace that Paul spoke of in 2 Corinthians 12. But there have been other times that I've been praying with somebody and the Holy Spirit has given me, I don't whatever you want to call it, an anointing, an unction to believe that God wanted to heal that person. And I prayed with confidence, God healed them. I didn't say if it be thy will, I prayed for them to be healed, and they were healed. There have been other times I have prayed for someone, and I couldn't pray for them to be healed. The Holy Spirit shut me down and made me believe it's not my will to heal them. Pray something else for them, but don't pray that. So here's my point. We can have faith today that can move mountains. But that faith is not mustered up by willpower. It's a gift of God. If God wants you to move a mountain, then he'll give you the gift of faith to move the mountain. And then you'll pray with confidence. It's a gift of God. But this is why they're called miracles. They're not called regulars. They don't happen all the time in the hospital. They're called miracles because only sometimes God does it for glory, for his glory. Other times, he gives us people like Johnny Erickson Tata who glorify God with a life of suffering for 70 years. The Holy Spirit has to give us discernment. In the meantime, we trust in the word of God, in the will of God. I want to see this church be filled with people who know the power of prayer in their personal lives, who pray the word of God. Can you imagine if we all start praying the word of God on a regular basis, how it would revolutionize our lives? And can you imagine if we as a church start corporately praying the word of God with faith, believing what God could do in and through us for his glory? It's amazing to think of. We're going to close today being doers of the word, and we're going to pray corporately today. There's three people I've asked to come up and pray. If you would come up here now, please. We'll need this microphone. Testing, testing. Testing. Joy got one here. Okay. You can come right here. Okay. Just stand right here. <clears throat> We're going to put 
Three prayers on the screen. The first one is the exaltation of Christ. I told you we're going to have three pillars in this church. The exaltation of Christ, the exaltation of the Word of God, and the exaltation of prayer. We're going to read this scripture together, and then Brother Bill is going to pray the Word of God. We're going to pray the truth of God's Word. So read this with me out loud if you would. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let us pray. Father God, we just come before you again this morning, glorifying you and praising you and thanking you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, that you submitted so totally to your Father in heaven. That you came to earth, Lord Jesus, to live with us, to experience everything we experience, to be tempted as we are tempted, that you suffered and you died for us, that death that could only be accomplished because of your love for us, for your grace, Lord. We thank you for your victory over sin and death, that victory that you imparted unto us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that the new life you gave to us is a life full of love and grace, and that you want us to live in that victory, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you sit with your Father in heaven, interceding for us today, that we may live victorious lives in you, Lord. We glorify you this morning again, Jesus Christ. We love you. We praise you. We just enjoy your presence. Amen. Amen. Let's look at our next slide. The exaltation of God's word from our pulpit here. Let's read this together. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Father, as I look at this verse here, and it is very intimidating to me, preach the word, and yet you call us as God's people to share the word with others. How can they know the truth unless there be a preacher? And so, Father, we ask that you would raise up preachers in this congregation that they would learn the word of God. There's a responsibility. You just don't go out and start preaching, Lord, but you have to know the truth so the truth can set people free. And to be ready, Lord, in season. Lord, this is the season that is rejecting you. There were times in this country, Lord, when people, as we face 9-11, that was a season, Lord, where people were eager to hear the word of God. Today, we are rebellious in this nation. We are doing things that have been unheard of in this nation, and they are labeled as the right of people to do. And Father, you have a different law that we, we stand by. We recognize, Lord, what truth is. And so we ask, Lord, that we would be able to have the discernment 
as to how to preach the word and to be able to, as these other very intimidating words, Lord, rebuke and exhort. Father, we, we don't like to face and confront people. Most of us don't. We're not confrontive or confrontative, Lord. And so we need the power and the, and the understanding, Lord, to face those, Lord, that would be resistive because oftentimes they are testing us to see if we truly believe that we will stand for truth. And so we ask you, Lord, to give us the ability, the power to uh, be, be clearly set on doing what you have called us to do as a church, Lord. And, and exhortation, Lord, is a whole other responsibility to, to exhort people is to put your arm around some, Lord, and walk this life with them. So they see the love of Christ in us, Lord. And they respond because they see Christ. And Lord, the gospel, we pray, Lord, that the gospel would be desirous to hear, Lord, that we could be delivered from our sin and have a home in heaven. Who would not want that if we could get that message across? And so we ask in Jesus' name to give us the understanding, the wisdom to do thy will. In his name we pray. Amen. And our final slide, the exaltation of prayer. Please read with me. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you as we read these, your words. We ask you to help us be devoted to prayer. Prayer is a gift from you, Lord. It is not a chore. It's a gift. If we'll surrender to you, you will give us the words to pray. Thank you. We pray that you will help us, Lord, be devoted to prayer. It's the foundation for which our faith is built on. We ask you, Lord, to guide us and lead us, and we know that that is the word of God. And as we pray, it's like a communion with the word of God, with Jesus, with prayer. We just thank you and praise you, Father. We ask you, Lord, guide us and lead us. Father, we pray for pure hearts as we come before you, and we ask that you will help us in what we pray. We thank you for your promise in your word that says that when we are struggling, the Holy Spirit will come and give us what to pray. Mm -hmm. So we praise you and thank you that you allow us to have the Holy Spirit. We praise you and thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you that it is a blessing. We thank you that it is conversation with you. It's nothing difficult, Lord. It's just pure conversation with you. And we ask you, Lord, we ask you to bless us. Increase the desires in our heart to pray. Increase the desires in our heart to read your word so we can pray your word. Lord Jesus, one of the best examples of prayer and one of the best examples of having your word hidden in our hearts is in the Gospel of Matthew. When you were in the desert and Satan came to tempt you, Lord, you three times told him, it is written. It is written. And so we need to know written so we can pray. Lord, you will never turn back your word on us. It will never come back void. Your promise says that in your word. And so we stand on that word, that it will never be void. When we come to you in prayer, when we use your words in prayer, you will bless us. And as Pastor Joe said, Lord, it is thy will be done. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in our lives. Mm-hmm. We pray for this house, Lord, this, that you called a house of prayer. We thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' holy, 
precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Please stand as we sing our final song.